Good morning, everyone. We're online, right? Well, good morning to the people that are online. Good morning to all of you. I'm going to make this announcement one more time just in case there's people that are out there uh, watching us and saying, hey, I might want to come next week. Don't come next week. It's the only time I'm going to tell you not to come to this church, okay? <clears throat> you will be having church in the parking lot. We're, we're going on a family vacation, and um, I don't have an associate pastor. So, you know, it's one of those things where you, you just kind of have to go. We're going to shut it down next week, but we'll be back on the 16th. So, um, so you know, we're going to go, and I'm going to get rested up. I work a full-time job for anybody that didn't know. I work for the power company. I, I'm a computer engineer. So, you know... I, I need I need time off too, guys. You know, so one of the things that I look for is about this time of year I start looking for us to go on vacation. We we we've been trying to hit little bitty vacations here and there, and this is gonna this is gonna take us through the next weekend. So I appreciate everybody understanding. But uh, this morning, so I was gonna teach on hope. I was actually, I taught on love last week. We were talking about the life of God. And I, I'd already had it in my head, Lord, this is where you want me to go. I already knew what the, the script was. And you know what? Every time I think I know what the script is, the Holy Spirit changes it, right? <laughs> and I was kind of going, well, this is going to sound a little cheesy. We're going to start talking about liberty today because it's the 4th of July. I mean, most people are probably having a sermon somewhere about the 4th of July. And for the most part, this is not going to be it, okay? I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a little bit different. I will start out, though, <clears throat> trying to make a nod to the 4th of July because I think it's, it's important for us to understand a couple of things. When we start talking about liberty, liberty means that there was somebody that sacrificed for it. If you look back in 1776, there was a whole bunch of what we would call billionaires and millionaires that wrote their name on, on the Declaration of Independence. 56 of them, by the way. And you know what? Nine of those 56 died, and just about every single one of them went bankrupt. So if you think about sacrifice for something that's meaningful in order to have freedom, sometimes you have to give away things. You have to give away that that. You know, oh, I'm taking a risk here. Do you know that a lot of times God is not asking us to, to go and throw everything away? That's not what I'm saying. But do you know that for the most part, every time there has been freedom, there's also been sacrifice. And sometimes the sacrifice was needed. Sometimes the sacrifice was like a cancer that was eating away at society. Sometimes the sacrifice is there was something you're doing. There's something that's happening in your body. There's something that's happening in your mind. There's something that's happening with you physically in this world and all of your friends, your neighbors, that you're needing to go and sacrifice. You need to get it off of you. And you go, but it's got some benefits. Well, you know what? There's lots of things out there that's got some benefits that are not good for you. We need to understand when we want to sacrifice something for God, just like the founders sacrificed their wealth and some of them sacrificed their lives, they were seeing something beyond themselves. Do you know that the older I get, the more I see beyond myself. I start looking to my daughter and to my son-in-law and 
to my son. And then I'm thinking about grandkids. And I'm thinking about what is their life going to be like? You know, I had a guy tell me one time and, and he was... He was talking about, um, this was during the housing crisis back in 2008, and he made a comment to me. He said, well, you know, the government needs to make sure that we're okay. And I said, well, what about our kids? And the guy said, well, we're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I said, yeah. I said, so, you know, at the time, by the way, we only had $9 trillion in debt. How many people will ever look at your credit card statement and go, hey, $9 trillion looks pretty good. But now that we have $35 trillion in credit card debt to the rest of the world, in America, where everybody has $105,000 that you owe, do you realize you owe? Everybody who has a social security number, there is a number that is associated with you and you owe it. Because our government has been bad stewards of our money. Our government is not doing us a favor. But see, this is the thing. Today is not me being against our government or being against any of those kind of things. But what I'm trying to show you is, is that there are times where we need to get rid of things. And we need to cut back and go, you know what? We could do without some things so that we could reduce our Debts, we could reduce all these things. See, liberty and freedom, which liberty is freedom. We'll find out that here in just a second. Liberty and freedom don't give you the opportunity to just go do anything. It gives you the opportunity to stay out of some things. Because being free is not, woo, I just get to go have a party every single day. You know, we had, we had my daughter's wedding back in October. There is no way that I could do that every year. <laughs> there is no way. You're, I, I don't care. You're not getting married again. Just keep the one you got, okay? Because I'm just telling you, it, is a, it, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of time. A lot of emotional things, too. I'm done with that. See, that's the thing is that there are things we need to do, but we can't do those all the time. We, we have to understand where our freedoms are. There is also an understanding of what we sacrificed. We'll go ahead and get us into this. Galatians chapter 5. If you've got your Bible, you can turn, you can take notes, you can do whatever. I typically, I run everything off of a... Off of this uh, PowerPoint, we got a couple of visitors here. So, you know, if you feel free to do whatever you want, I put it up here for myself, but I also give you the opportunity that if you want to go back, you can look at it online. We have it there. So, Galatians chapter 5. Before I get started with Galatians chapter 5, I want you to understand where Paul was at. Paul was in the middle of where Gaul was at. It was in the northern part of the territories. It was, it was up above the Italy-Turkey area. And what was happening in that area is that they had went in, Paul and Silas and all of these, all of these people that he would put in place to be leaders had created churches. And those churches were doing pretty good. They were actually some of the best churches that was around. 
But they had these people from Jerusalem that came in that were Jewish. <clears throat> and these Jewish folks, I, I, I'm going to use a term that Andrew Womack calls Judaizers, right? They wanted to come in and Judaize the new Christians. Well, the new Christians were, they were Gentiles. They didn't know anything about sacrificing you know, to God. Now, some of them had sacrificing to gods, but they, they didn't know anything about circumcision. They didn't know anything about the Jewish laws. And these Judaizers are going, hey, that's perfectly fine for you to accept Jesus. But let me tell you, Jesus was a Jew, and this is what you have to do. Now, let me ask you a question. If I walk in here, and you guys come walking in, I've got a couple of visitors. And I said, hey guys, I'm so glad to have y'all this morning. But before y'all can come in, I need to check and see if you've got a tattoo on your left hand. And you guys go, well, no, I don't want to show you if I've got a tattoo on my left hand. And I go, well, you know, God requires it. You guys would probably start going, hey, I'm going, I'm going to the house. I'm not coming here. Well, you know, the same thing was happening with them. In fact, circumcision was a little bit more private, let's just say. All right? And they were checking to see if they had the special mark. You know, this was, a, this, was a, this was one of the things that the Jews were coming in and telling the churches, you've got to meet these laws. So these people had already gotten saved. And Paul is trying to show them, you are giving away your freedoms. And if you give away your freedoms, then guess what's going to happen? You're not actually going to worship the Lord. You're going to just be a servant of the Lord. See, there's nothing wrong with serving God. I serve God every single day. But I don't do servant of God work because I'm afraid of God. I don't do it because he just told me to. I do it because I have a relationship with God. You know, my dad and I have a really good relationship. He's walking around somewhere back here checking on things. Do you know that one of the things that I want you to understand is, is my dad doesn't walk up and give me stipulations on how our relationship should work. Do you know that that's, that's what a relationship is about, is give and take, communications. So the same thing that happens between me and my dad happens between me and God Almighty, my Father in Heaven. You know that every single time I've went through something that God said, hey, I want you to go do, he asks me. He doesn't tell me. You know, a lot of people say, well, God told me to do something and I have to or I'll be struck down. No. That's not the way, that's not what the new covenant works. The new covenant works that God works with man. That's why he gave the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus paid a price. We need to find out what this price is. In Galatians 5.1 it says, Stand fast therefore in the liberties. This word liberties in the Greek means freedom. It says, So stand therefore in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So let me ask you a question. Y'all know what a yoke is? Anybody? 
Typically, a yoke is for two peop- two animals, right? You have two oxen, cows, whatever it is. And you put them together, horses, and you tell them, hey, go in one direction. Well, do you know that a yoke of bondage means that you are being drug around. You ever been drug around by people? I have. I've had people that have told me stuff and they've said, hey, you must do this or God's not happy with you. Well, you know what? Paul's telling them, he goes, don't put that yoke on. Don't let them pull you in a different direction. Let God show you how to walk. See, I'm not pulled around by what people say to me. I'm pulled around by what, the way the Holy Spirit sends me and He tells me. And He asks me. And it says in verse 2, it says, Indeed, I, Paul, so we know this is Paul talking, right? Says to you that if, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that He is a debtor to keep the whole law. See, there was no reason to get circumcised unless you were going to become Jews. And if you were Jewish, you had to be under the law. You know, there's a, and I said this before, most of y'all know this, but is there a, a Jewish law right now that is being fulfilled? Anybody? Anybody think that there's a Jewish law? Well, you know, the temple got destroyed in 70 A.D. You know, there's not been sacrifice for sin since 70 A.D. in the Jewish religion. In fact, I've had some Jewish friends, and you go and talk to them, and you go, hey, those sins are piling up, right? You know, when we're talking to people, and we're trying to have them understand something, they tend to try to follow their club. They try to follow the way that they want to, that they want to react, right? So they'll come in and tell you why you're wrong. And then you, you just turn right back around and you go, hey, did you follow? Are you following the, the law? And Oh, yes, I'm following the law. It's like, well, you do the yearly sacrifices to get your sins forgiven. If you touch something that makes you unclean, you go to the temple and you pay the tent. Well, no. You know why? Because it would be illegal in America, especially for you to go and kill an animal on an altar. It is in most places. Maybe out in California it's not. I don't know. There's a bunch of satanic temples out there that are doing some stuff. Anyway, if, you know, if don't go out there. I'm just telling you. But my, my point behind this is not, hey, go find the place where they sacrifice. But what I want you to understand is that the law that was created for them, they did not have any, they didn't have any, the Jewish people, they didn't have any say so. They had to do it. In fact, we can actually go back to Deuteronomy chapter 20 and 21 where where Moses was actually going to cut a deal with God to where every single person had the relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. And you know what the people said? Said, Moses, you go mediate for us. And we will do whatever is written. So they they obligated themselves to what Moses came up with with God. 
See, we need to understand that the law was created to give them boundaries. It was created to put them in bondage to something. Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. How many people saved in here? Everybody, everybody saved? Good. Because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And that Holy Spirit is telling you every single time you do something wrong. You ever get that little pull right here up under the, the navel or where it goes? You're not supposed to do that. And I go, well, I want to do that. <laughs> and, and the Holy Spirit goes, yes, but that's going to mean bad things for you. And you go, well, you know, okay. Do you know that we need to understand that our liberties given by God, did not put us under bondage. It took us out from under bondage. It gave us direct lines. And you know what? That's scary. How many people know that if it was like the wild, wild west, we had no police officers, it was just people just living around? People will go, well, that just sounds scary to me. I want to have, I want to have people with, you know, that's protecting me. Well, you know, that's, that's called the, the law. That's the law of the United States of America. How many people broke the law coming here this morning? I know I did. I went over the speed limit. Anybody went over the speed limit? You broke the laws of the United States of America. It's punishable by fines. Hopefully you didn't do the stuff that puts you in jail. But what I'm telling you here is, is that laws are created to put you in a box. And when you're put into a box then you abide by those laws or somebody comes along and they lock you up. Well, that was what God did with the laws because the people did not want to have a relationship. So when you have no relationship, you end up having bondage to something. How many people want to have a relationship with your county, um, you know, your county commissioner? Not most people. How many people wants to go up here and hang out at the, at you know, at City Hall, and have a relationship with the pe- the, the building and all the government? The answer is no. See, whenever you put something in a bondage, it becomes a faceless entity that tells you you're right or you're wrong. All right, I'm going to move on. But I want you to understand this because when we're talking about the law here, yes, they are talking about the Jewish laws, but I'm going, to t- I'm going to tell you what. We as human beings, we love laws. Love them. It says in verse 4, it says, And you have become estranged from Christ, you who have attempted to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. This word grace is just the gift. So the grace of God is nothing more than Jesus shows up And says, hey, I've got a free gift. You just have to believe. You have to accept it. How many people knows if it's your birthday and I went to go give you a gift? Which, by the way, I'm promising that I'm probably not going to buy everybody a gift. But the gift is free. Now, there was no strings attached if I gave you a gift. Because if not, it would be a bribe, right? How many people know that you know, that's what you do to the government. When you give a gift to someone in the government, it's not with strings that are not attached, right? See, that's what I want you to understand is relationship has no strings attached. 
But with something that's faceless and you're trying to get favor, there are strings attached. And it says in verse 5, it says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Man, there's a, what I was going to teach on because I taught on love last week is that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And this word greatest means the first, the elder, when you go look it up in the, in the Greek. And that basically means that you have love first. And if you have love in your heart and you understand love, then you can have hope. And if you have hope, then you can have faith. Faith is nothing more than just trusting in whatever you were hoping for. Do you know that when we get to the point of understanding this, then, then we start going, wow, I didn't have to do anything other than be loved, understand the hope of God, and then just trust that it's going to come to pass. How much more, more better is that? It is more better, I'm telling you. In fact, it says here in verse 6, it says, For Christ, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith works through love. So law and versus faith, and you have circumcision and uncircumcision. Works of the flesh are trust in Jesus. You know, I want you to understand because it's going to use this word circumcision a lot. And if you were Jewish, you would be like, man, I understand what circumcision is. I understand the covenant that was cut because of that circumcision. But see, the problem is, is that that was supposed to be private. It's one of the reasons why they circumcised where they did, right? Because it wasn't supposed to be known. It was supposed to be a part of your covenant with God. See, the Jewish people, they had taken it and they had created all these laws around it. So we need to understand that when we, that we understand that the circumcision of our heart happened through Jesus Christ. He came in, he cut our heart, he ended up putting Jesus and the Holy Spirit right there in the middle of it. So you got Jesus right here in the midst. Your spirit has been completely renewed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Do you know that when the old things passed away and behold all things became new you got Jesus in your heart you got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you you're wall to wall Holy Ghost on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit actually comes when you're doing bad and the Holy Spirit comes and tells you hey let's go do something more constructive. Amen. I know this is this is a little hard and it's a little soft, okay? This is this is what my buddy Brad Holloman always said when we were when we were teaching together. He said I was a baseball bat covered in nerf. <laughs> because, you know, the thing is is that, you know, I tend to I, I'm I'm an A type A personality. Brad's type A too, but he was a different kind of type A. He he didn't make anybody feel bad about anything. I mean he was he was really good at being able to explain, and he got in and out and away, right? But see, this is the thing I want you to understand is that we need to hit, be hit with some of the goodness of God from time to time. 
Sometimes when we get hit with it, we go, oh, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I like that. Let me, let me take another hit and see if this is right. You, know, you need to take a hit off of God every once in a while and let him show you the love. All right. Now this got all messed up. Man, this is, a, this is not going to be very long. This is my last, uh, my last part of the message. But I want you to understand something. When, when, we become, when we become children of God, we actually stepped into another level. We stepped in with people and with, and with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that scares people because there is too much freedom. And what we've done as a society is we've created denominations. And I'm not against denominations. I, I'm perfectly fine with it. But do you know that the only reason to have denominations is people go, well, my doctrine, what I teach is different than their, what they teach, right? Everybody go, amen, or oh me, one or the other. Because everybody's been a part of a denomination. You've went, you've went and sat under people, and there was some good stuff, and there was some bad stuff. Well, you know that in every single time that we do, we go out and we find somebody who teaches something that goes beyond the word. You know, how many people, how many people's heard that you have to interpret the Bible? Anybody? If you find somebody who says that they're interpreting the Bible, get away from them as fast as you possibly can. And you'll find lots of denominations go, we interpret the Bible this way. You know what that meant? It meant they read something and they didn't like it, so they changed it. That's what interpretation means, is that I, I created my own idealisms about, about what they said. Now, this is the problem, is that if we don't take the word for what it says and the context in which it said, because I'm telling you the truth here. I'm, I'm not trying to come in and go, this specifically was for us today. Well, there's a lot of things we can glean out of this, but I'm trying to tell you why he wrote it. I want you to understand why it was written, because if you understand why it was written, you can actually glean some really good stuff. The interpretation is not I'm trying to tell you what he said. I'm trying to tell you how it applies to you today. And see, this is one of the things about the Word of God that we need to keep just hold of. Is that every time you read the Word of God, you don't need to just take the words off the piece of paper. You need to understand why those words were written. Galatians 5, 7 says, You ran well. Hey, you were doing good. You were doing really good until these Judaizers showed up. Who hindered you from obeying the truths? This persuasion uh, does not come from him who called you. This didn't come from Jesus. He didn't tell you to go get circumcised. He didn't tell you to go follow any laws. He didn't tell you that you had to go, that you couldn't go watch movies. He didn't come and tell you that, that you couldn't wear makeup. He didn't come and tell you you had to wear long dresses. How would y'all like to wear long dresses and no pants today? I mean, if that was, hey, any of those, hey, no. Cut that out. Do you know that, that this is the thing, is that there was nothing in the Bible about that. It was just, we felt more holy. See, people, humans, love to feel holy. 
Well, if I can meet 10 things that I put down on my goals, how many people follow all your goals from the, from the beginning of the, of the year? I'm going to lose weight, and I'm going to read more books, and I'm going to do all that. Do you know that most people, by the time February comes around, they didn't even start one of their goals? But if they did, they go around and tell everybody. I've been working out for the last four weeks and, you know, I've lost eight pounds and, you know, I've been eating clean and I've been doing this. And do you know that you can be talking to them about, you know, um, hey, a tree fell in my backyard. Well, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I've been working out, so I probably could lift that tree and uh, I'm eating clean, so I'll just take the bark off the tree. I'll just take it home and I'll eat it. How about that? That's the way people do it because they want you to know I'm more holy than you. (laughs) Amen or oh me, it's happened with each and every one of us, by the way. Everybody has had a goal and you met the goal and you went around. Hey, you know what? I have a a master's degree in computer engineering. You know how I go around and tell people about it? You see this? You see? Yes. After I got that master's degree, I would just put my hand up and go, hey, how are you doing? Like that? Oh, that. Yes. Yeah. Well, since I've got the master's degree in computer engineering, I can tell you more about how to dig up your your bushes, you know. (laughs) But everybody has this inkling towards I want to be in a box. I I want to accomplish everything I set out against. And if you do that, that's fine. I'm not saying that's a sin or you're doing whatever. But I want you to understand that, that this is a part of human nature for people to say, follow my ten things that we do and the other people don't do. And this is why you feel so much more holy. The Catholic Church was really good at this. They put together all these different things. They basically started following just like the Jewish people did. Oh, you got to wash your hands a certain way. you got to do all these different things. This is one of the reasons why people tend to gravitate towards places that tell them what they can and cannot do. It's true. One of the fastest growing churches right now, and I'm not going to mention it because there's people that are probably watching, but there's a church out there that they have a lot of things that you got to do. And people go, you know, I just feel so much better when I do those. Well, that wasn't because the Holy Spirit was going, I tip my hat to you, sir. You did a great job. Because that's not what it's called here. Because he's saying, he's saying in verse 8, this persuasion did not come from him who called you. He didn't call you to do some stuff and that you felt better about it. So it's not the Holy Spirit. You know who it is? It's me on the inside going, ooh, that feels good. Let me go tell somebody about it. In fact, verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Do you know that this is true? If you go and you make unleavened bread, I mean, you can just put a little bit of yeast in that sucker and it will just take over. Well, see, the thing is, is that I can put a little bit of the law that I create in it and it takes over it takes over the way i think it takes over how i do and by the way if i don't meet something what happens anybody ever not met one of their goals 
it sends you into a, a downward spiral. Oh, I'm just horrible. I can't get anything done. I, I'm not able to do the things that I need to do. Well, you know what? That puts you back. And see, this is the problem is that we need to understand that freedom said you didn't have to do any of those things for God to love you. For you to be a part of Jesus, all you had to do is Romans 10, 9, 10. You had to believe. Say it with the mouth and believe it. Make Jesus your Lord and you just walk around and it's like, well, did you sin? I probably have, but you know, I'm the more I walk with Jesus, the less I sin. I'm going to tell you what, one of the reasons why at this church I don't talk about sins, I don't go around and say, well, how many people smoke dope? How many people drink, you know, excessive alcohol? How many people do this? How many do people? Because that doesn't help anybody. Sitting around thinking about your sins do, does nothing. But if I tell you that Jesus loves you and that there's hope for you and that all you got to do is trust in him, man, I start seeing people change. It becomes a part of who they are. Not only does it change in their bodies, but it changes in their, their emotions. We've got a bunch of emotional weirdos now. Because they're walking around with their emotions out on their sleeves. And it's like, well, you touched my emotions. Well, guess what? If all you need to know is that you are loved, that there's a hope for you, and you just got to trust in Jesus, man, you can be, somebody can call you stupid, ugly, fat, and you just go, I don't care. Jesus loves me. Which, by the way, I get that a lot. I'm not really sure how. Anyway. <laughs> Verse 10, it says, I, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever it is. Do you know that the judgment that is bared is the fact that they can't meet it either? Do you know that nobody actually met the law except for Jesus? Do you know that there was a bunch of people that were, that were under the law that sacrificed and the only thing that was is God said, okay, I'm, I'm taking that as a, as I'm going to just erase what you did. I, I'm winking at it, if you will. Yeah, well, I put it in place. I'm going to forgive them. You know, with Jesus, God looks down and he sees Matt. And he goes, man, he goes, that's my son. I see Jesus inside of him. You know, I could sin right now and my dad would look at me and he'd say, I still love you. How many people know if you got a kid, your kid goes and does something bad, you're going to be the one that's going to be sitting there going, well, I still love him. I still want him to have good stuff even though he did something bad. Well, you know, that's the difference between relationship with God and what they had before with the law. Is with the law, it was based on merit. It wasn't based on relationship. In fact, in verse 11, and it says, And I, brethren, if I, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. So essentially, if you're still uh, preaching that you have to do something, then Jesus died for nothing. Especially in your heart. 
Because, you know, I used to go get saved every single day. You know why? Because 1 John chapter 1, it was like you got to confess your sins. Well, you know what? I sinned and I was like, man, I don't even remember what I did today. So I don't even know if I can get it all out. So every day I just said, Jesus, just save me again. I just need one more time. I promise I won't sin again. You know how many days I went to, I went to bed crying because, and this is as an adult, because I thought to myself, there's no way I can ever understand how much sin I did today. You know what happened? Because I got a hold of the message of grace, that it was a gift of God. In fact, it says here, it says, well, I'm going to get to the good part, but I, I think this is funny, by the way. So y'all probably have missed this one, okay? So verse 12 is a joke. Anybody ever read verse 12 and thought it was a joke? Anybody? Y'all, y'all take a second and just look at verse 12. Okay, verse 12 says, I could wish that those who trouble you would cut themselves off. So what happens with circumcision? He's basically saying, well, hey, if you want to just go get circumcised, why don't you just cut the whole thing off? Now, I want you to understand this. Paul was trying to set up a mindset that if you are going to follow something, then you just better just go ahead and cut everything off. Just go ahead and kill yourself because about the time you get right, just shoot yourself in the head because that's as close to good as you're going to be without Jesus. Because you ain't ever going to live in it. Without Jesus coming back, there's no way that we would have been able to have satisfied for sin. And it says here in verse 13, it says, For you, brethren, having been called to liberty, this word liberty is freedom, So being called to freedom, only do not use liberty, freedom, as an opportunity for the flesh. So there's a couple things I want you to understand. This word, it's sarks, I didn't write it down, but it's the word sarks, and it means stripping of the skin. See, this this word's different than the other word flesh that you find in some of the other texts, because the other text where flesh is being used is Carne. It's for carnal. It's where we get the word carnal at. And it's your five senses. It's the thing that you see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. It's like, you know, my, my dad and granddad were meat salesmen. My granddad worked for Ziegler's and they had this big tub of chili con carne. And it meant chili with meat. And, you know, so everybody knew, oh, I buy that. It's a chili brick. I just throw it into a pan and it's, it's good. Well, do you know that the same thing with the other word for flesh? It's basically a word for sin. This word is not. This word is sarks, and this word means to strip off the flesh. So when you read this, it says, Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to go back into the law. How many people are got stuff that, I call it folk, it's, uh, you ever had a folk teaching? I have people like folk songs, right? Well, 
A folk teaching is the stuff your folks told you. And see, we have a bunch of it. We have a ton of it, by the way. How many people think that, that uh, Cain, when he killed Abel, that he was cursed? Anybody think that he was cursed? He was not. He asked God to forgive him and God marked him so that people wouldn't kill him. Go back and read it, guys. Because God was going to curse him. And then he said, this is too much for me to bear. And so God says, well, I will mark you so that no one will kill you. Do you know why that we believe that? Is because somebody said, hey, I'm going to interpret the word so that I can say Cain did a bad thing and he got his just dessert. But you know, God was so merciful because there was no covenant that he was merciful to Cain without any, any punishment. Do you know that this is the kind of stuff that we need to go back to the word and take the blinders off of our eyes? We need to go back to the word and start looking at it in context and going, wait a minute, what about Job? We were talking about this in one of the healing schools. What about Job? But you know, Job, if you go find out, it wasn't God that cursed him. It was the devil. And when you get up around verses 40 through 42, it actually tells you what happened to Job. But See, these are the things that I want you to understand is that all of this stuff that we gather, it shapes the way we believe. And then it shapes the way we see our Father God. It's hard to have a relationship with somebody that you don't respect. Because you don't know what he actually did. Because somebody came along and they were the ones that circumcised your heart. With this is the way it is, guys. And so you walk around going, well, I trusted that person and he told me that. And so... That must be. And then all the times you're walking around going, well, God was mean in the Old Testament and He's good in the New Testament. No, He wasn't. He was good in both places. You know, how many people out here know that if you, that if you, lived, if you had kids that lived under your roof, that you make rules for your kids, right? Well, that's not rules for other people's kids. You know, it actually says in Galatians, I think, chapter 2, it says that he winked at the, at the Gentile sin. You know why? Because there was no covenant with them. Deuteronomy chapter 28 was not for them. How many people know that? Is that something everybody understands? Because I want you to know that Deuteronomy chapter 28 did not affect the Germanic people. It didn't affect the people in, in where we call the Britannic areas. It didn't affect any of those people because it was, it was only for the Jewish people. And see, when we understand that, then we start going, Oh, well, God treated them differently because of one purpose. They said, Yes, I will do it. And they also had a covenant. And see, when we walk away from who God really is with the true understanding of where He's taken us, man, we start going, man, He was good then. He's good now. He's going to be good for eternity. Amen. All right. So verse 14, it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one, wor- in one word, even this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
How many people love themselves? Some people don't, and they love their neighbor that way, by the way. <laughs> I know I'm meddling a little bit here, but if you don't really like yourself, or if you see people out there and they're screaming and hollering or they're doing something or they're acting a certain way, they don't love themselves. You know why? Because they've not found out that they were loved by God. See, you can't love unless you've been loved. Matt, you can go ahead and come on up, buddy. So this says in verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So our scoreboard is, is that we can sin a million times, and we can do, there is nothing that we can do that can cover the sin. But Jesus came and he paid one time for all time for all your sins. And see, I'm telling a bunch of saved people this. You know why? Because Paul was telling a bunch of saved people. This wasn't unsaved people. He wasn't going in the street preaching Galatians to them. He was going into churches where they had already accepted Jesus just like you. And what he was trying to tell them was that you need to understand the gift of God that has been given unto you and don't let people put boundaries on you. Let the Holy Spirit come in and show you. Let your heart be pure. Go and rake off all the things. You know, me and my son was talking about reading the Word and most people read the Word one chapter a day and they go, well, that, that was a chapter, and I mean, Caleb even said, hey, I don't understand this. Why did it do this and this in, in this particular book? And I was like, you need to read multiple chapters in order to understand the context of what was going on. You know, this is where we're at, is that I, I don't want to put a bond on you. If you read your book, your Bible every single day, that's perfectly fine. But don't be bound by that. I want you to go and say, hey, I might go and sit down and read a whole book all in one time. Can I put some time out to go do that? Because I want to understand it all. But see, when we come back and go, well, you have to read your Bible every day. You have to pray every day exactly this amount of time. And you have to do these certain things. That's a law that you put on yourself. You know, how many people would like to have a relationship with me where I go, hey, you've got five minutes with me. How about that? Come on. Come on. Give me everything you got. Bring it. Bring it. How many people want to tell me stuff? And then I go, cut off. All right. Time's up. Pay me my, my payment. See, that's the way people treat God. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that God is calling you to freedom. He doesn't want you to be bound by the things that people have told you. And He doesn't want you to, to fall into a particular box. He wants you to have the whole cake. You know that every single time you go through something in your life, God's not saying, hey, this was because it was your fault. Now, sometimes it's your fault. But it's not because you didn't read your Bible enough. And it's not because of all these other things. You know, how you get out of the problem is that you understand who you are in Christ Jesus. You understand you're loved. You quit. You take all the folk teachings and you, you move them out of the way. And then guess what happens? You become 
the righteousness of God in right standing through Christ Jesus, no longer bound by the borders of other people's hearts, but you get to believe your own thing about God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If this spoke to you, I'd really like for you to raise your hand. I, I believe this was something. You know that there is a, there's something that I want those people who raised your hand to do this week. I just want you to go and sit down and just thank God. I don't want you to go read anything. I don't want you to go. I mean, sometimes I give you homework. God's not giving you homework, by the way. I want you to go and sit down with him and just tell, ask him. Ask Him things that you want to ask Him. But just realize that He's a good Father. See, the freedom that we have this week, by 4th of July, it means that somebody sacrificed something that a lot of somebodies did. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords, He sacrificed for all eternity one time so that you could be set free from the bondage of sin and death. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you, dear Lord. Holy Spirit, you are coming and you are just revolutionizing the hearts and minds of the people who are listening, not only in this room, but also via podcast and the live stream. I thank you, Father, that you are giving us the ability to see past our circumstances, that you're giving us the ability to go beyond just saying, I accomplished something but that I just trust in Jesus. And Father, I thank you, dear Lord, that with the relationships that you are building with each and every person, I thank you, dear Lord, that you are stripping off old junk that is in their mind and their heart and their emotions and that you are replacing it with your goodness. And Father, I pray that they are going forth about their their world, the people that they deal with, and that they are creating relationships with them. Father, help just lead people across their path that they can just love on. Because they are loved, they can love. Because they are loved by God, they love their neighbor as they are loved by God. Father, I thank you, I praise you, and I just thank you that you're giving us a new mind and a new heart. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nourish our bodies. I thank you for a good time of fellowship. I ask you bless this time that we are together. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You are dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here in the front.